Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 118. We are discussing the RBC Heritage on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting Systems, almost about to be employed, European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How you doing? Uh, Well, I'm going to make one point. I, I keep saying that you're redundant and furloughed and you're not doing a lot, but clearly you are doing a lot on the on the you know, yeah yeah be, like behind the microphone. Jokes, Steve, isn't it? But yes, but, yeah, but then this, the European on, tour. Didn't you just tell me Austria might be kicking it off? Indeed. So the European tour announced yesterday that there will be two additional events being played in Austria from July the 9th and then a week later on July the 15th. So that must be a Wednesday start rather than a Thursday. Um, so yeah, they're going to be co-sanctioned affairs with the Challenge Tour to give um, both the European Tour and the Challenge Tour guys a chance to go out and play some golf. But that's good. Yeah. Really, really positive for the European Tour. First one's going to be at the Diamond Country Club, which we've seen a number oh, of yeah. times before. We've seen that. I think um, you've had a winner there, haven't you? Yeah, quite possibly. It's one of those courses that I think I've got quite a uh, good handle on, which is positive. Interesting to see what the field looks like, of course, because it'll be a combination of Challenge Tour European Tour players, but um, something to get my teeth into for sure. And then the week after, they're playing the Euram Bank Open at Adam Stahl Golf Club, which is new to me, but uh, something to dig into. There may well have been some events... Um, held there over the years, hopefully to uh, oh. give us a bit of a clue. But, but yeah, that's really positive. And then it runs into the uh, British Masters the week after that. Absolutely. So, so yeah, about three weeks until we've got some European Tour action and uh, get back um, get back on the bike at that point, effectively. For new for new listeners, we are getting lots of new listeners on the basis that there's not a lot of sports bed on, and uh, we've got people punters gravitating to golf. We do cover both the PGA Tour, the European Tour, all the majors, all the WGC. So Paul covers our European Tour content. Right. Golf Betting System is our website with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor model, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. As of this week, we are now available to listen to on Deezer. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I'm available at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Link is available in the description box. There are thousands of golf punters and DK players within that group. Very, very entertaining. Lots of good data and information in there. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I have just released the Golf Betting Show for this week's RBC Heritage. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our list and numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Now, kindly, Rich Eves via Apple Podcasts, he lives in the UK, he dropped us a review a couple of weeks ago. Uh, It's entitled Great Podcast Five Stars. Amazingly enough, he has given us five stars. Fantastic in-depth analysis of upcoming events. Logical tips offering good value for weekend betting. 
but I can't keep backing Bubba to miss yet another cut this year, exclamation mark. Wait till next week, Rich. Wait till next week. You've taken the words out of my mouth. (laughs) Bubba is just so ripe right now. I'll be fascinated to see how he goes this week. This course, he's 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 got such a, a creative mind and such variances on ball flight. You could see Bubba being in the mix this week on a course that really shouldn't suit him. Yeah, he might enjoy um, it, mightn't he? But he's a mad this, price. Do you see the price that he opened up at? Um, I didn't. 110 what? to 1 this week. Wow. Last week. Seventh. Listen to this. Last week, strokes game putting, he was eighth in the yeah. field. Yeah. And we've said all this year his putting is a lot, lot better. Mm. So, Rich, you need to show some safe in Bubba, especially with the Travellers next week. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> thanks for the uh, thanks for the review, Rich. Very thanks much. for the Appreciate thanks for the review, as ever. As I always say, um, fresh reviews are always required here. Please take time and uh, we will read them out at the start of every podcast. We really do appreciate them. Right. Last week. Let's talk last week. I completely um, underclubbed it, so my, my tips were a total and utter disaster. I think the mistake that well the mistake I made was thinking it was kind of a normal colonial. When clearly it was like a it was like a major championship and you know, Matt Kuchob. Webb Simpson heading your lineup and not really going to cut it. Well, I don't know. Kucha on the on the Friday certainly made a good fist of. Oh, and then he double bogeyed the last to miss the cut. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my pets hates, as you know, it's bogeying the last and then. But double, double bogeying, Jesus, it's a, a super pet hate. But yeah, I was I, looking at I was looking at the phone as you do, and he'd got three or four under, and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, might might get somewhere in mid 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 league and. I then went back an hour or so later, I don't know, I've gone out for some exercise, and I'm just cracking open the first Friday night beer, and I'm having a scroll. And I've got to the two under, and I'm thinking, well, he's not there. So I make the fatal mistake at that point of scrolling up, <laughs> yeah. and then I don't see his name, and I thought, no. And then I'm scrolling down, and I'm, I'm he's missed the cup. What <laughs> yeah. a plonker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's not a six under. He's not a seven. He must have got to eight under. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm going up and up. No, 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 Matt Kuja. Oh yeah. my god, he double bogeyed the last. Yeah, he found the water, didn't he? I tell you what, I took from last week. It was in the main elite golfers that are are really hungry at the moment. You know, let's just go through them. Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, he hasn't won for a, a period of time, as in you can just tell he's absolutely hungry as he can be to get that victory and to prove that what he's doing is right. This, it's, yeah, it's all about. It's impressive. To, it? I've got to. Say, it's it is impressive to see how, again, he has just looked at looked at what he needs to do, and he's just gone one hundred percent focused on what he needs to strengthen. And you know. What he's worked out will bring him long-term success, which is basically hitting the ball far further than pretty much anyone else. The number that you highlighted to me yesterday was interesting, Madness. which was his accuracy relative to his um, to his length. In- clearly, incredible. Yeah, clearly the length was it was Matt was it three hundred and forty yard average for the uh, he for topped the drives? out. Yeah, bearing in mind they were the measured drives, so it's two drives, um, two drives and uh, two holes a day. But he measured a three hundred and forty yards. 
Now that's it. I when we looked, it was twenty five yards or twenty two yards longer than Rory McIlroy, mm. right? But that's the point, Paul. Absolutely, that's the point. He still hit almost sixty percent of fairways, yeah, which yeah. was mid twenties in driving accuracy. That's just so. As we always say, long and straight, never a bad thing, is it? Well, long and straight enough, and that's you know clearly if you're, you're top top twenty five, top thirty for driving accuracy and hitting it as far as that, you're going to be giving yourself an awful lot of opportunities. And his form's been really consistent, hasn't it? You know, as you say, he hasn't got that win, which will, for his own sanity, I guess, validate that the path he's chosen and the the journey that he's on is the right one. Um, but he's getting mighty close, getting very, very close. Whether this week suits or not is a matter to debate, I guess. Strokes gained off the tee last week, 1.83 per round, rank mm. first. Second position in that statistic was Xander. He was at 1.24 strokes yeah. per round. That's Matt, a point. So basically, he was over 30%. Better in strokes going off the tee than the second person on that ranking. That's just incredible. Mm. He's it's it's uh, it's incredible how he's is taking it to to extremes. Really, I mean, the only person that can really get close to him is Cameron Champ at the moment. Yeah, he's clearly seen Champ and worked through the fact that actually that's. That's the way I want to go with this and crunch the numbers. Champ was interesting, actually. In the he's playing well, Champ. Yeah, yeah he hit a lot well. of greens last week, which is a, yeah. a noteworthy point yeah. for him. Um, he's playing well. Yeah, maybe in a an event that isn't quite as competitive as last week or indeed this week, but um, mm. he's a talented boy. I think he's one to keep a very close eye on over the next few weeks. He's not as um, he's not as flagrant as you think either. No. Champs clearly looked at this Harbour Town gig this week and said, "You know, not for me." Mm. You know, yeah. I, uh, um, we'll talk about it in more detail. It is going to be fascinating to watch to see if Bryson has the golf IQ to have gone so far down this power um, power angle and turn up this week at Harbour Town and actually play the golf course like he did three years ago when actually he finished in the top four. Yeah. If he if he's got the IQ and the the mental uh, agility to actually be able to mix it up on the on those few golf courses where power isn't the isn't going to win you the tournament like this week, and he can dial that down, he 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 in my mind is going to be you know an elite top five player, yeah. if not top three. Because he's he's clearly got the mental fortitude to win big tournaments. We've seen that and win win tournaments consecutively as well. So yeah, yeah. and as I say, his, his form has been really quite consistent. Notwithstanding there's a three month gap in between, but he's not throwing miscuts in there no. in between his good performances. He doesn't, does he? No, he's he's been very very so, solid. So who did we see last week? We saw we saw him. We saw Morikawa. Um, who just excels week after week after week. We saw Justin Rose, a player that's changed clubs back to tailor-made, and all of a sudden, guess what? He's hitting fairways, he's hitting greens, he's making putts. Um, 
Justin Rose for the Masters. I, I just hope he doesn't do too well in the intervening period and slash his price completely. We had Xander, who hasn't won for a length of time. We had big names at the Jordan Spieth, of course. We had big names at the top of the leaderboard, all of which had points to prove. And then we had Daniel Berger, who was top of my strokes gained analysis, and I completely and utterly looked at and said, nah, not, nah it's not going to happen. Who then just sneakily was gravitating up that leaderboard consistently the whole tournament. Well, you look at his. And in the end, you know, Colin missed the putt on 18. Yeah. Xander had the horseshoe from hell on 17, was it? Yeah, it was. Next thing you know, Daniel's making a putt and Daniel's in a playoff. Yeah, and then uh, Murakawa went, uh, he misses another one, didn't he, in in the playoff and game over. Mm. All comes down to your putting when it's uh, right to the the death like that. But I, the thing the thing with Berger, I, I don't know if you pick this stat up. His three wins. We talk about biorhythms. His three wins: twenty sixteen, June the twelfth, he won. Twenty seventeen, June the eleventh. Yeah, Southwind. Twenty twenty, June the fourteenth. Within three days, all those wins. That's crazy. Yeah, you know, I, I know some people look at stats and look at these kind of trends and just dismiss them out of. Uh, out of principle, but do they have a strokes gained in June statistic, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or was it strokes gained in late May? Stro- <laughs> He'd have been topping that anyway because he's been playing outstanding golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, you know, there's some good strokes. I just can't believe I didn't put him up. I just, well, it's like you put, I'm putting up someone like Joel Damon at the same price point as a Daniel Berger that was top of my strokes gained analysis. You're like, oh, Steve. Sometimes you just want to get a gun and shoot yourself, really. But, but yeah, you look at the price relative to the. Players that are in the same kind of bracket, and you go, you go on pure form prior to the break, and he was—I think he was in third on our form sheets last week. But again, you look at the names around him, and you think Daniel Berger, really? Is he going to win? Yeah, and you look <laughs> past him, and and he wins, and, uh, and he wins. Fair play to him. Very, very impressive with that field behind him. But as you say, there were a number of eye catches, weren't there? Um, Could you see Berger going back to back? Because, and I know listeners will go, oh, Steve, he did not talk a load of old crap with that Michael Caine accent. Although Michael Caine could be you. We don't know that. But it's like, I seriously was tipping him up this week. Mm. Yeah, prior to him winning it. Here's my post-it note, Paul. It's top by, I wrote this on Thursday, by the way. Um, for top of my list is Poston. Second on the list, Siwoo Kim. Third on the list, Daniel Berger. <laughs> and I just sat there on Sunday and I said to my missus, this bloke Daniel Berger, I'm tipping him up this week. And look at him, he's just slaughtering his price for next week like they all do. And the next thing you know, he's actually in a playoff. I'm like, oh my God. But I'm actually amazed that he's 40 to 1 this week. Well, it shows you the depth of the field again, doesn't it? But this course should sue Daniel Berg, you know. He's got a, he's got a low ball flight. He, you know, like you said, two wins in June, two wins at TPC Southwind, which is a very similar course to this. You, you know, you go back to you go back to C C T Pan, Brandon Grace. Um, they've all done well. G Mac, of course, they've all done well at Southwind over the years. I don't know. Yeah, Funnier things have happened. We've seen back to back in the past, mate. Yeah, no, and some players do just find that top gear, don't they, and away they go. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a big, strong field ahead of them again this week, so we shall see. 
I'm going to take you through the top 10 of this week's predictor model. Don't forget, golf betting system, you can use our patented predictor model, completely free of charge. You can use it as many times as you want. Come up with your own tailor-made predictions. Here's my top 10. Uh, 10 John Rahm. Do you know what? Rory McIlroy is not in the top 10. Mm. Tells a story. Can't remember. Last time. 10 Rahm. 9 Berger. 8 Kevin Kisner. 7 The Cooch. Bound to go well. Tipped him up last week. Missed the cut. 6 Justin Rose. The Rose is blooming. 5 Bryson Pex Deshamba. Has he got Pex? I don't know. It's difficult to tell, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's a, it's a he, he's just literally put bulk on, isn't it? It's he just a, incredible. He's a big boy now. Four. Schnicky Brian Harmon. I know you like him. Mm. Top three. Jordan Spieth. Two. Justin Thomas. And number one. The player that I, whenever I tip him, He's absolutely useless. Webb Simpson. It was top last week as well. Wasn't it? Statistically, he's so difficult to shift, isn't he? And these these courses is mm. very very strong. A lot of the correlating courses that you mentioned in your preview as well. He's got a lot of good form in, but uh, yeah, missed cut last week when the world and his wife was on him. So I expect everyone will miss him this week, and um, it will come and uh, yeah, he'll summer. be he'll be something like nine one on DK. Um, so many people, Millie mate, you know all these guys, Millie mate. Oh God, Webb Simpson, absolutely annihilated their teams. They're not going to go to him again, are they? And we know Webb. I did kind of look. I did look at how he performs after a missed cut, and it didn't exactly blow me away. I think I saw a fifth in there, but I didn't see a lot of. I certainly didn't see any wins. And at thirty to one, I'd, I'd prefer a winner. Uh, but yeah, you can see Webb. Um. I enjoyed last week, it has to be said. I thought it was a, a great tournament for the PGA Tour to resume. And, um, you yeah, know, just never knew. I, I, I seriously thought that Xander was going to win. I had an in-play bet on um, Gary Woodland. I had an in-play bet on Bryson. So I got basically uh, no return at all from the tournament. But I enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, it was great apart from the betting. No one knew he was going to win, and I tell you no. what, I don't even half midway through the back nine. I don't think if you if we had a percent a poll, I don't think you'd have had a huge percentage on Daniel Berger. No, no, no. It, did look, it looked very much like Xander was going to come through and uh, yeah, and win that tournament. As you say, that mad three footer that he missed on the seventeenth. He made a cracking. Oh, um, mate, but he held a fifty foot of the, the green before, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it, and that's it, what made you think. Well, if he's holding those, yeah. It's written, isn't it? And he has got that mental fortitude, uh, Xander, but just didn't didn't quite work for him. And yeah, missed that part, didn't make his part on eighteen, and uh, it's, the rest is history, isn't it? Uh, I, we we mentioned bookmakers. Um, I want to mention bookmakers again on this podcast, especially for those of you um, in Canada or in. Uh, we do get a few listeners in Canada, people that are in Republic of Ireland. Clearly, people who are here in the UK with us. They have gone, again, William Hill, eight places each way again this week. Some outstanding prices. I mean, I'm seeing um, Rory 11s, Thomas 16s, DeChambeau 16s, Ram 18s, Xander 20s. I can go on and on. All top price with William Hill. They're offering eight places again, fifth the odds. So three additional spots this week with William Hill. 
And if you sign up to a new account via our golf betting system website, opening the account via your mobile phone, no no uh, tablet, no PC, but mobile phone signups via using the promo code W40, so Whiskey40, you get an extra £10 free bet. So effectively, bet £10 or €10, Euros, get €40, Euros, £40 in free bets back via golf betting system. Key terms and conditions on the website. But... That's two weeks on the row now, eight places, a fifth the odds with William Hill and some outstanding prices. So clearly someone at William Hill said we need to attack these golf tournaments of late, which is good to see. Yeah. Right. RBC Heritage. It's one of those tournaments, you know, I, ugh, you know, I don't think I've ever had the winner. But you look at it and you think, God, it's one of those ones that you can solve, that you can get to. Well, I used to think that, and then the last three winners have been Wesley Bryan, Satoshi Kodaira, and C.T. Pan. C.T. Pan was 160 to 1, Satoshi Kodaira was 250 to 1, Wesley Bryan was 90 to 1. Yeah, Bryan had a little bit more form, but the, the, the more recent two, yeah, good luck trying to pluck those out before the event. Although Kodaira was... 28th at Augusta the week before, I think yeah. a, few, a few people were going, well, he's in the top 50 in the world, he's 250 to 1. He was, yeah, relative to his price, his OWGR mm. ranking was um, disproportionate, wasn't it? But uh, yeah. even so, you'd have done well to, to pluck him out and say he was going to win that tournament. I don't think CT Pan had done anything of note no. in the season leading up to his win here. But when you went back to before he'd finished second to Branch Snedeker at Sedgefield Country Club at the Wyndham, mm. that course, correlating course form, is all over it. Yeah. Um, He'd also been, I think it was sixth here at halfway the year before. So could clearly get on with the course. But yeah, 160 to 1. Yeah, with with very little incoming form. You wouldn't have, if you're a statistics man or a man that goes through spreadsheets, you you, you wouldn't have picked him. No. No chance. But again, you know, we're talking about a different era in golf right now, aren't we? We're talking about an era where. We've got a field that's full of players like Rory McIlroy at the top, Justin Thomas, Bryson, John Rahm, Xander, Colin Marikawa, Reed Simpson, Im, Rose, Spieth, Matsuama returns this week, that's Woodland, DJ and Kepka, Daniel Berger. It just goes on and on and on. It's again like a WGC. And you're talking DJ. And I haven't Kepka. even mentioned Ricky Fowler. Fifty-five to one on well, Ricky can't win. This is the point, isn't it? You. you... You mentioned Kepka um, and DJ, but their position, as you read out that list, is literally their position on the on the betting. They are twelfth, fifteenth in the uh, in the list. They're that far. Well, we, in modern history, Paul, you're reading DJ out at seven to one. Yeah, yeah, precisely. He's forty to one this week. Brooks Kepka forty to one. Tyrrell Hatton won just before the uh, cancellation of the tour. He was priced up at sixty to one with some firms yesterday. Yeah. I just thought that's a that's a wrong price on Han. Why is he not going to be playing good golf? And this golf course is clearly going to suit him. Yeah, and he has. I know there's a big gap between, but he has gone win win before in terms of his uh, his record. Big old shot, gap though. Shot three under in that one round at the players, so yeah. he was still playing yeah. decent golf, mate. Even though he'd had a few sherbets, no doubt in between. So, yeah, the depth is just, you know, we keep going. Kisner, Fitzpatrick, answer. Jason Kokrag, who actually parted low. 
My post-it note, bad putters. Boot Weekly, Jason Kokrag. And last week he was sick for strokes game putting, Kokrag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. what happened there? Yeah, he had a putt effectively to get into the playoff, didn't he, as well? Jason Day, 80-1 on the Aussie. <laughs> Louis, 80-1. to one. Didn't you tell me you saw Bubba Watson at 110-1 first show? He opened at 110-1 yesterday, yeah. My with, with one of the firms. He was 100 in other places and 110-1 best price. So reeling it back, reeling it back in, it it's not a CT Pan Satoshi Kodaira Wesley Bryan kind of field this year, is it? No, no. Whether that changes the winner, we shall see. But yes, it, there's clearly a far, far, far stronger field at the top end. And there was some stat. I won't try and quote it because. Um, Oh, I'll don't tell it, me. People younger than 30 can't win at Colonial. Is it that stat? <laughs> no, no. It's all, stat it's, all, it's all BS, most of it. Isn't it? These, no, these no, trends are great. You know, like Kenny Kim and they pick people like you know us guys. We pull these trends out and you pull them out and then, oh, the trend's gone. Yeah, that's blown out. No, it was, it was from the PGA Tour. It was something to do with the, the most number of PGA Tour winners in any one field. And yeah, 171 of it was 117. It was yeah, something like the you know, best part of 120 of the players had already wow. won on the tour, which was a mad number. Sergio Garcia 90 to one. My yeah. God, Brent Schneider 100 to one. I mean, you could have a. It's like it's like being in a toy store, a toy store or a sweet store. Yeah. Right. The first thing I'm going to say two things here. Um, Harbour Town Golf Links. It's by the sea. Two of the holes play on the sea though. The other 15 or 60, it might be three. They they basically are tree-lined Carolina-type golf course um, holes with a hell of a lot of dog legs, trees that are really close to the fairways. It it reminds me a lot of Valderrama on the European Tour when you yeah. watch it. Yeah, tiny greens, yeah. Tiny, tiny greens. 3,700 square feet. I think they are either the smallest or second smallest on the PGA Tour. I think Pebble might have smaller at 3,500. Yeah. The other thing I have put in my preview, there's a big, big link between Tiff Eagle performances at somewhere like a Kapalua, somewhere somewhere like Copperhead. And if you think about it, I've said Kapalua, Copperhead, and I just mentioned small greens, Pebble Beach, and I haven't tipped up Gary Woodland this week. I must be mad. I'm already having regret, regrets, and it's just crazy. Anyway, but this golf course, to me, tiny greens, dog legs, plays like a Carolina golf course. When I say Carolina golf course, I mentioned earlier, Sedgefield Country Club, where they played the Wyndham. Look at Pinehurst number two, where they played the US Open 2015, I think. Also, or 2014, one or other, and also look at somewhere like Quail Hollow. Um, it, it's that kind of aspect. Also, the Copperhead course they play at Innisbrook, Tampa Bay, which is in Florida. Yeah, get that. But actually, you you read any quotes from players, they all say this feels like a non-Florida golf course. It feels like I'm playing in a, on a Carolina State golf course. And you do see a lot of crossover with Sedgefield. You see a lot of crossover with Copperhead at Innisbrook with players that do well here. But for me, and you look at the statistics, the one statistic that really jumped out at me was the fact that this every single year, this golf course is in the top three or four for 
lowest driving distance of all drives. So, it basically a golf course that repels people from using driver all the time. Yeah, you've got to be a bit more strategic than that, haven't you? It's not just bomb and gouge. You can't get away with it on this track. That's not the way to, to tame the course. Now, we've seen Patrick Cantlay do well round here, clearly. We've seen Bryson DeChambeau do well round here. We've seen Luke List, haven't we? Big, big driver of the golf ball. But when you actually look at the driving distance stats here, they normally top out, even the top guys, 300 yards. Yeah. You know, they're not topping out like last week at Colonial. I'll read the sheet. Um, Berger, 306 yards. Uh, Kokrag, 311. DeChambeau, 340. Justin Rose, 300. Bubba Watson, 322. You're just not going to be seeing driving distances like that this week. No. It forces you to take utility clubs off the tee, three woods, two, three irons, that kind of play. So if, you, if you've got a player that gains most of their strokes from a strokes going tee to green perspective off the tee, this golf course is more about strokes going off the tee probably in terms of accuracy and positioning rather than outright bullying. That's my view. Yeah. I'm meant to be shot down. see that. And that kind of shaped where I went with my selections this week. I'm looking for players, for me, that have got a level of accuracy to their game, but also a low ball flight. I don't, I don't think players that have got high ball... The trouble you've got here is it's also... I'm not even looking so much potentially for accuracy off the tee. I mean, CT Pan wasn't accurate when he won here last year. But it's the kind of golf course where you're better off being in the rough on the right side of the fairway rather than being on the fairway on the wrong side of the fairway, blocked off off by trees. Yeah, it's a bit more strategic in that respect, isn't it? You've got to play positional shots off the tee to give yourself access. Because these greens are small and you're going to miss an awful lot of greens over the course of the week relative to some other tracks. I mean, GIR stats in old money, you're going to be looking, 70% is going to be a decent performance on the week isn't it so your short game is going to have to be good enough to be able to get yourself up and down um, saving par whenever you possibly can and when you do miss those greens so adds an extra dimension into the uh, into the approach this week I think when we were at Wentworth in September we saw Billy Horschel go very well and Wentworth again positional golf course isn't it a lot of block shots through trees Horschel can play this kind of course I can see why he's popular this week he's got a good record here Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it would also shout like to a Matthew Fitzpatrick if his game was in good nick because you know he won his first European Tour event at Wentworth. Uh, Woburn, Sim- yeah. yeah oh, Woburn, sorry, Woburn, yeah, tree lined, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that Poulter plays this golf course very, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke Donald, another another player who's done well around Wentworth in the, in the past. So I, I'm thinking less power, more strategic minds and kind of correlating golf courses for me were TPC Southwind where they play the St Jude Um, there's definite links to last week's venue at Colonial again relatively short par 70 the par 5s this week are a lot more accessible though there's one par 5 here that's only 502 yards so that I mean you could probably get home uh, get home taking three wood off the tee yeah um, 
I'm also seeing links to you know uh, places like Wildlife Country Club where they play the Sony Open. Lots of these um, old classical golf courses in Canada, a Glen Abbey, a, Saint, a Royal St. George's, a Royal Montreal. You can see lots of links with uh, the Canadian Open with winners of this. But yes, Sedgefield Country Club for the Wyndham. Um, I can see links with Boston. I can see links with Sea Island where they play the RSM Classic at the end of the year. Even Mayakoba. You know, Matt Kuchar's won here. He's won at Mayakoba. Graham McDowell's won here. He's played. He's won at Mayakoba. I can remember Gary Woodland finishing third at Mayakoba, you know. Oh, Paul, what have I done? <laughs> there's still time, Steve. There's still time. Well, it's, it's, there's no time to remember my uh, golf preview. That's gone. <laughs> but anyway, two points each way, Gary Woodland, <laughs> to listeners. I've got it so badly wrong, I think. Um, but they're the kind of angles I've been looking at. And I, I genuinely think you, you've got to look at players that had some stroke-gained peaks of some volition last week. If you look at my preview this week, guys, I have sp- you know I've got my usual eight-week trackers. For this resumption and this unique element to it, I am now I'm going to have two sets of trackers. One for the rolling eight weeks, which goes over a large portion of the golf they played before the players, and also, or and including the players, and also just the pure tournament since the resumption. Yeah. And there's lots of players from last week that interest you when you just look at their strokes gain numbers. You know, like the likes of a Lucas Glover, someone like that, that played quite nicely tee to green last yeah, week. Yeah, did you? Yeah, it's, it's, and that is his game, isn't it, Glover? But um, it's always interesting to see when those numbers start to, um, you know, start to impress once again, which they did last week from Glover. From oh god, well, it, well yeah. but this is it. Uh, so many weeks, isn't it? Let's let's let let's choose ball strikers and just pray that they actually put half decent week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we can all list twenty of those quite easily: Billy Horschel, Jason Kograg, Lucas Glover, uh, even Emiliano Grillo. He he was crazy last week. Gained something like four and a half strokes, stroke tee to green, and lost seven on the greens. <laughs> Mate, um, the fact he's got no mental fortitude at all when he's in contention doesn't really sell it to me. Tournament skill averages, traditional stats, last 10 winners. We average them out. Listen to this, driving distance, 52nd in the field of the last 10 winners it averages out at. Yeah, it's not important, is it? Accuracy, 24th, greens and reg, 19th, proximity to hole, 11th, scrambling, 8th, putting average, 18th. So I, I don't think I see this on any other tournament. Proximity, 11th, scrambling, 8th. They are the two most important skill averages across the last 10 years. So, razor-sharp approaches, and if you miss a green, great scrambling. They're small greens, so scrambling should not should be easier. The other, the other point to question here is, even the best in the field are going to be missing 18, 20 greens this week. If you're auto bogey man when you miss a green... You're going to hemorrhage a lot of bogeys. Yeah, you're not going to get to the total lane. You're not going to get remotely close to winning total. When we look at strokes gained, I take the last four winners, Grace, Brian, Kadira and CT Pam. Strokes gained off the tee, 36th. So, long driving, just not. it's just not an issue this week. Strokes gained approach, 14th. Strokes gained around the green, 21st. If you look at the mix between tee to green and putting, strokes gain tee to green 7th, strokes gain putting 11th. So it's more about approach, 
Um, taking your medicine and getting up and down when you miss a green. And if you putt off decently on the week on these Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass greens, which since they've been relayed are pretty um, pretty tough. They've got a lot of bounce on them. Yeah. Um, we're looking for we're looking for positive Bermuda grass putters. Effectively, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Tiff Eagle grass you will find at the likes of Kapalua, PGA National, where they play the Honda Classic. Old results at Doral. Um, Justin Rose has won around there, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Copperhead, where they play the Valspar, and Bay Hill since 2015. And of course, TPC Sawgrass, where they play the players. That is Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass. If you're looking for Pete Dye designs, because this is a Pete Dye course, and we all know that lots of players hate Pete Dye designs, Patrick Reed, for example, we have. Austin Country Club pool, where they play the world, where you tip up every year, or apart from this year, the WGC Dell match play. Yeah. Crooked Stick, where they played the 2012-2016 BMW Championships. The Ocean Course at Keogh Island, 2012 PGA Championship, run by Rory McIlroy. Uh, the River Highlands, where they play the Travellers. That is next week. That's a Pete Dye design. TPC Louisiana, where they play the Zurich Classic, which is where they play the Teams event. TPC Sawgrass, the players... TPC Stadium course where they play the PGA. Uh, it's the host course for the American Express and Whistling Straits 2010-2015. That's all your yeah. Um, yeah. That's all your Pete Dye golf since to 2010. There's, there's always players that do tend to uh, to come to the fore on Pete Dye tracks, isn't there? It's an interesting on the predictor this week. If you use the predictor, there's a Pete Dye variable which you can use to uh, to determine who plays better on Pete Dye tracks than others. That might be what put you off Gary Woodland, Steve, looking through that, because he has no recent points on the Pete Dye tracks when you look at those um, uh, those results. So that would be a negative for Gary Woodland. I can see the logic there. Jason Day tops that list, actually. You mentioned Day having a, a mad price. This was 80, 80 to 1 or thereabouts. All over the place. Mm. I'll tell you another player that, again, just shows how good he is, but whose game for me isn't quite on point at the moment. It's Justin Thomas. And this is a guy that was like right in the heat of the battle last week. Yeah. But he's, he's driving. is shocking right now. Once he sorts that driver out, again, JT's going to be in clover. But yeah, at, six, I... at 16 to 1, you know, he's just... It's, as you say, he's driving, shocking, but in this season today, he's finished first, third, sixth and tenth from six starts. Yeah, I know. The, the guy's, you know, he's an animal, isn't he? As I said to you yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn that round. And win a major. Win a major this year. Yeah. One of he's, three, also, so. he's also got world number one um, written all over him at some point, hasn't he? Yeah. He, um, I think I read something about John Rahm could become world number one this week if he wins this tournament and tar- and uh, Rory finishes outside the top four. Right, okay. That's That did surprise me, actually. But there Another you go. little the, incentive. The, well, if the vagaries of the world rankings. <laughs> if Rory keeps producing Sundays as he's, uh, he's been becoming more and more used to doing, um, sadly for him, then... Uh, other, these other guys are going to have a chance, aren't they? Particularly with the strength of field that we're getting at the moment. There's some big OWGR yeah. points floating around. 
I'll put out there, if listeners have got any questions about this week's tournament, you know, just send Paul or me a tweet and um, we'll try and get back to you if we can answer. Uh, and if I can uh, find the time amongst uh, keeping the wife and uh, child happy. And, and you've got a wife and three kids to keep happy. These people that tweet you and it's like, well, you haven't replied in the last five minutes. It's like, well, <laughs> I haven't been on my phone for three hours. I've been watering the garden, going for a run, and getting going to the supermarket. Yeah. Um. Okay. I suppose we better go through. We're going to go tips, aren't we? I'm going to go in reverse order just for a bit of fun. Have you? Um, why don't you? Why don't you shout a lot? Have you got a? Have you got a triple digit, Paul? Um, I, I've got. You know, I, I've ended up with two the same as you, and then two separate. So it's always um, the curse. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're kind of. But well, I think. I think the logic with this um, event is. As you said, right at the start. I'll tell you what. One... Let's not duplicate things. Take, take, uh, take the take the listeners through your South Korean tip for the week because <laughs> it's exactly I've... the same as mine. Yeah, so well, let's I've, get I've him got... out of the way, shall we? I've not got as much justification as, as you've got, so you may have to supplement me. I'll supplement. So, you know, you mentioned him on the um, on the pod last week, and um, Barry, who can't be with us today because he's, uh, he's he's had to do some work, which is which is unfortunate, but. Um, I'm sure Barry will join us again over the next uh, next few weeks. Um, we've been waiting for this day, as we do each year, to, to get our money on Siwoo Kim. And I must say, at 350 to 1, where he opened with um, with Unibet yesterday, for me, that was a mad price. I, I, regardless of his form, and again, you mentioned it on the in your preview, where he's the kind of player where you can look at a string of missed cuts and just put it to one side, ignore it. Um, but 350 to 1 he's, he's got to be worth taking a chance on he should have won here two years ago shouldn't he you know the world and his wife was on him uh, Barry was on him I was on him um, I had a fantastic opportunity to cash out on him um, and um, for a I, considerable amount of money wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. It was, was it four sort, numbers it you could have cashed four out number, for number. yeah and um, I, I remember screenshotting it to you and Barry and just saying no, I'm going to let this ride because the, the boy's got it won and he, he just he couldn't do it, could he? Um, which is always the way to uh, to curse yourself. But yeah, you look look back at his form. He should, should have won here a couple of years ago. Um, form at Sedgefield as well, which I think has got a really strong correlation, as you mentioned. And a lot of the angles that I've chosen this week have gone down the the, um, the Sedgefield route. Um, for the Bermuda form, um, he can't can't knock his Bermuda form. Um, in terms, I never, of I never back, I never back him on anything. Bent grass because no. it is pointless exercise. Yeah, yeah, no, it has on, to be Bermuda. Got to look him on Bermuda. You talk about Pete Dye, and um, we've got the um, sawgrass link, haven't we? And um, there's not going to be a great deal of wind around this week, I don't think. It's no, not no, be no. Particularly bad, is it? But um, you know, you're often with these coastal tracks, you do get the wind picking up a bit, and it's again, you look at him relative to the field and relative to the performances that he's had over his career, and he's a strong wind player as well. Decent short game when he's playing well. The only thing that will put you off is you look at his current form, if you can call it current, and you say, miss cut, miss cut, miss cut. You know, I'm not going to touch him. 350 to 1, I beg to differ, is the kind of guy who can circumvent all of that. We are in mid-June. The playoffs start on August 20th at TPC Boston, right? Big, big money. Three tournaments at the end of the PGA Tour, right? You actually go through the, um, the, the schedule as it is, right? 
and this is what I've written in my preview. With this week in Sedgefield Country Club, the only Bermuda grass stop-offs on the PGA Tour schedule pre-FedEx Cup. Bear in mind, he can't get into the WGC at um, Southwind, yeah? So he's got this week or Sedgefield. He's 172nd in the standings at the moment. If he's got anything about him, he needs to get top five, top three, either this week or at Sedgefield, to be realistic. Because other courses just aren't going to suit him. No, no. He's got, he's got he just doesn't get top ten finishes on anything, bar Bermuda Grass or Paspalum. Yeah. And there sure aren't any Paspalum events this side of... Well, unless he's going to play... Is, oh, no, that Corrales is in the news. It's all very confusing. The Corrales is after the playoffs. So, you know, it's this week or Sedgefield for him. And you can see him going well at both tracks, can't you? Because, again, they're, they're the kind of kind of courses that do suit for them for the reasons that you, you've just articulated. You know, we keep an eye on scores. Mm. It was interesting. Daniel Berger shot a 67-5 under in his one round at the Players' Championship. Yeah. And then he, after the resumption, won last week. You look at Siwoo Kim, he shot a 7 under 65 at the yeah, players yeah, yeah. in and, round and, one. And this kind of gets lost in all of the stats and reporting, doesn't it? Because you don't see the None of the stats have been recorded, have they? No, no, I recorded no. all of them. Yeah. I, I, I desperately got all the information down as quickly as I could. Well, this is it. And the, Before the they were wiped. Is, they even wiped the leaderboard. Yes. You'd look at that, and if that were the previous week, you'd say, well, let's see, we can be open with a 65. He'd be 100 to 1. Yeah. You know, he, he may, may have plodded along to a 25, 25th place finish, but you'd say, well, you know, there was a flash of form there. Mm-hmm. And he's going back to a track that suits, the track where he's performed, the track where he should have won before. Um, and the prize isn't 350 to 1 or 250, as I think you're getting now. There's, there's been some, some action on Siwoo Kim, as you'd expect. The funniest price I saw this week, and you do see some funny prices over different tournaments in different uh, months and years. Siwoo Kim, 350 to 1 at Unibet, 125 to 1 at Paddy Power. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Taking no chances, yeah. Nah. Right, so we're both on Siwoo Kim, yeah? Indeed, yeah. Oh, and Barry's on Siwoo Kim, clearly. Barry's on Siwoo, yeah. So the Siwoo Kim train starts this Thursday. <laughs> Derailed by Saturday. Um, I'll go next. I've gone for the postman this week. Which one? And I don't. I don't mean Ian Poulter. Yeah. I've gone for JT Poston. I can see why Poulter's. You know, he's got great course form. He's he's hitting the ball very very well. Poulter. You look at the strokes gain numbers. Um, he's he's been there or thereabouts for quite a period of time. Poulter. So I could see him being in the mix. There are rumours, uh, it was mentioned on the telecast last week, and I said to you, they don't tend to mention things live on a telecast if something's not being spoken about, but they were talking about they were a lot more hopeful that the Ryder Cup was going to take place this year. Yes. Because all of, they're letting crowds in in Ohio for Jack's tournament, and you know I expect they're having very close talks with the state government at uh, Whistling Straits. I think it's it would be with Wisconsin, I think, um, about whether they can let some crowds in if they were to hold a Ryder Cup. So when that kind of gets talked about, you do think, well, Poulter needs to start performing. So I can see Poulter, but I've gone for Poston. He just played some really nice golf. Of the top 10 last week at Colonial, he was the guy with the shortest driving distance. Because he isn't really a power player. He'd get no, it out no, there no. 290, though. 
yeah. But in yeah, this modern day of golf, dirt, that's man. yeah. He was fifth for driving accuracy, fourteenth greens in reg, second for scrambling, fifth strokes gained off the tee. I love that stat. So he's not the longest, but he is long enough and straight enough right now off the tee. Eighth for strokes gained around the green. Thank you very much. He was also 17th tee to green and 14th for strokes game putting. There's nothing there that would put you off a bet on JT Poston. No, no. I got 80 to 1, seven places each way of 50 odds with Bet Fred. Literally five minutes after we went to press, apparently that he was offered up at 100 to 1 with William Hill. Uh, yeah. that, got sna- that got snapped up in about 30 seconds or think, it yeah. was literally just a change of price because they went from six places to eight places yeah I think I think Hills literally went from six to eight about a minute after we published so yeah, yeah, we published, yeah. so uh, scuppered that but um, yeah it's a very fluid market anyway so you should always keep an eye on what the this uh, is direct out of my direct out of my text Carolina par 70 golf course at Sedgefield plays similarly to Harbortown and Sedgefield specialists such as Davis Love the Third. Jim Furyk, Luke Donald, Branch Snedeker, Siwoo Kim and C.T. Pan have played brilliantly at both venues. Poston was the guy that won last year's 2019 Wyndham. He shot a 5-under 65 in the final round to beat Webb Simpson by a shot. Benny Ann had led all the way and then did what Benny Ann does and lost. And Victor Hovland was also in the mix that week. Um... He's just playing some really nice golf. Last uh, year here, he was 60th at the cut line uh, on Friday. So he made it on the number. And then he shot 67-66 to finish 6th. He was the best scoring player of the whole field at the weekend at last year's RBC Heritage. So, yeah, post posting for me. Yeah, no, I can see the logic. And yet, for, for a player that fits... So many of those aspects, it's um, it's a strong prize on posting as well. Where are you at? Next selection. Yeah, a slightly longer prize. I've gone for Brian Harmon, who I picked up at 125 to 1 yesterday. Again, he's been backed in a little bit. He's been tipped up at a couple of places, I think. But again, going back to this Sedgefield link, he was sixth last year. Um, other relatable courses, Sawgrass, he was eighth last year. Um, Kapalua, you mentioned. And Kapalua, for me, is too too long for Brian Harmon. Um, but he finished third there in 2018. Third again at Sedgefield, um, going back in the past. Clearly got some good correlating course form. Um, short hitter, Harmon. Decent short game. He was seventh for scrambling last week. 76% uh, up and down, which was strong. Opened with a 65, so... Flash that bit of form before drifting off a little bit to the mid-twenties. Decent performances on Bermuda over the years. He hasn't won a Bermuda, or not pure Bermuda, that I could see, but he's got, no. some, got some good finishes over the years and that as well. Um, ranks third in your strokes gained around the green track, which I thought was interesting because that's going to be one of the important factors. And that all translates, all of the positive stats. As you mentioned earlier, fourth in our predictor model this week for a player who's... Um, such a relatively long price. Um, and again, you know, these shorter tracks really suit him, I think. He's, he's not long off the tee. He, he's going to have to make hay on these shorter tracks. Seventh here in 2014, ninth here in 2017. So a bit of course form to boot as well. He's still yeah. getting a bit of 100 to 1 around um, Brian Harmon at the moment. So there's still a bit of juice in his price if you fancy a punt on a player who uh, did flash a bit of form last week. We've also got a guy there that's finished. Is it? I think he was second in the U.S. Open, the first yeah. one that kept Kawan. 
Yeah. Uh, he, he's high grade. He's well top 50 when he's really at the top of his game, Harbour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good player. Yeah. Also, a very determined sort when he gets in contention, isn't he? Yeah, I remember him staring down um, John Rahm, the, didn't he? John Rahm and Dustin Johnson yeah, that's at right. Eagle Point. Yeah, 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 yeah. The year they couldn't play at Quail Hollow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got yeah. guts about him. Yeah, he's not afraid to win. Yeah, I can see Harmon a lot. I can see Brian. But you can't pick them all. No, no. I like no. Harmon. Um, I'm not just saying that to bloke smoke, uh, smoke up your posterior <laughs> as well. I, I do see logic. I would tell you if it's a rubbish tip. Like Matt, every first round leader a few weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Awful yeah. tip. Wait, Steve. We'll do that at the end. Um, I've gone... <clears throat> I kind of knew Poston would be popular. It was obvious that Kevin Kisner would be popular. It's not a reason not to back him, though. I've got a point each way. It's 60 to 1. I took uh, 60 to 1 and 8 places with Paddy Power. Uh, there was a 66 price out there. Well, I think it was 6 each way. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's obvious, isn't it, Kisner? He just loves Pete Dye designs. Absolutely thrives on. Uh, he's got a second at TPC Sawgrass. If you do use the Pete Dye variable on our predictor model, Kevin Kisner comes out very, very close to the top. And you just think, well, you wouldn't expect that, would you? But he does. Um, he's uh, won the... Uh, he's finished second and also won the World Golf Championship match player Austin Country Club over the last two years. Yeah. He just absolutely thrives on these on these die golf courses. Second to the players back in 2015... He's also got an excellent record here. Second in 2015, 11th 2017, 7th 2018. If you look at the way he played last week and he tweeted out, my game is coming round, which for a man of Kevin Kisner, he doesn't tweet a lot. His game was just, you know, 9th for accuracy off the tee, 9th for greens in reg, 16th for strokes going tee to green. It's just it's just the fact that he couldn't putt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we know, lots of listeners will know, he is a Bermuda grass man. Yeah, I know he's won at Colonial, but you know, though two of his other three PGA Tour victories, both on Bermuda grass. Um, his record on Bermuda grass, you know, it's just he's a Southern State golfer, and I just think this week for a guy whose tee to green game is now back to where he wants it to be, you just know he's a natural putter and back on Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. I just think if those putts come back. You know, even if he was putting neutrally this week, he's going to be a factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I say his long game was strong last week. Very so. nice, very nice indeed. And to be fair, Kisner's game at the start of this year was all over the place. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly been working hard on it and pulled it back. Yeah. Right. Have you got more tips to throw have, at our, our I listeners? Have, I have another one who's mid price, and then I'll leave you to go with the short guys because I've got. One the same as that too. Um, I've gone. It's interesting to see if players who didn't play last week, who didn't have that run out or perform well this week or not. It's always difficult to gauge, isn't it? But I have picked one who's um, gone what three months or so now without playing and didn't didn't play any anything competitive last week, and that's Brant Schnedeker. Um, and I was interested in Brant before the. The break because I think he was rounding into some kind of form, and you know, again, it's difficult to know how they're going to respond after this time. But one thing you see with these, um, this particular course and this particular event is you get a lot of repeat winners and you get a lot of repeat strong performances from players who clearly get on with the track and style of play and 
Um, in Brand Schnedeker, we've got a winner from 2011 and also an awful lot of correlating form as well. 90 to 1, I mean, again, I'm happy to take a chance that he'll hit the ground running um, having not played last week, but uh, we shall see. Um, going back in this season's form, he was 12th at the Sony, which you mentioned as a correlating course, potentially. Third at Torrey Pines, a couple of missed cuts. And then on his last start, which was the WGC, WGC Mexico, he started poorly by the end of the four days he was um, shooting some of the best golf out there he finished with a 64 best round of the day his best round of the year and of yeah. course he didn't play after that which disappointed for him because he seemed to be uh, to getting mm. his game back on track at that point mm. in the meantime he's dropped out of the world top 50s 51st at the moment so he'd be keen to get back into that you know it's for a status thing and you know clearly he's not going to have any trouble getting any starts but equally um being world top 50 is a big deal for these players yeah um winner back here in 2011 as i said a couple of top threes at Kapalua, which is correlating form fifth at yeah. sawgrass last year it's his sedgefield form though really tips the balance for me Oh, he's um, outstanding. Yeah, we yeah, love, we, yeah, he loves the place. He does, yeah. A couple of top fives. He was third and further back. 2018 is when he won at Sedgefield 2. So, Beating C.T. Pan into second place, if you he remember. Did, yeah. Who won here last year. Oh, yeah, it all works. He's also got a top three, I believe, at um, Copperhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, if, if you dig through his record and you dig through the, the courses that you mentioned in the preview, there's an awful lot of correlation there. So, so yeah, the, the only question mark for me really is how he's going to perform having not played since the uh, WGC Mexico. But then that's the same dilemma that we had for all of the players last week. And yeah. I'm, I'm not going to strike anyone off the list who seemingly fits from my perspective. Um, no, and Snedeker has always done well at Kapalua when he's turned up there fresh. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, he's got a couple of top threes. And again, yeah, exactly. that's another track that you'd look at and say, well, it's a bit long for someone like Snedeker, mm. but um, clearly he's got his head round it, similar to, to Harmon in the past. Now, I know I've gone for two towards the top end of the market, and I know the one that you will have gone for. Right. Well, I'm 95% certain I'm going for that. I'm going to highlight then Colin Morikawa. Two points each way, 25 to 1, eight places each way with ball sports. The guy's just playing brilliant golf right now. And across all of my trackers, he's just top three. Yeah. T to green, driving accuracy, greens and reg, he's all over it like a, a rash. Um, the, the, the issue people have had with Morikawa is that his strokes gain around the green and his strokes gain putting are his weaknesses. And yeah, you can see that. Um, he's a he's a tee to green machine, but if he misses a green, his scrambling can be a little bit on the weak side, and he does miss a lot of chances. He does miss a lot of putts. Um, clearly, when it when it came to the death on the 18th last week, under a lot of pressure, he missed that five footer maybe yeah, to win the tournament. Six, yeah. You know, the guys the guys young. The guys still just coming up to the his first year anniversary of hitting the biggest tour in the world. So you know these things are going to happen. The thing I did like about his play last week, though, that his, his strokes gained around the green game was a lot better, and it has been better recently. Um, if you actually look at... Uh, he was 4th and 18th for strokes gained putting across TPC Sawgrass first round and Colonial last week. And then if you look for strokes gained around the green, he was 12th in Mexico 
and he was 25th last week at Colonial. So it seems like the short game has sharpened up now. And when you at, when you overlay that against the fact that he's he's not prestigious off the tee by any he's, he's long enough, but he's not crazy. He's not a bomber. That's what I like about him this week. He's got a low ball flight. He hits lots of fairways. And his approach play is just absolute hot fire at the moment. So I just couldn't turn. Morikawa would be the one where if he if he finishes second last week, and how many times have we seen playoff losers go on the next week and win? We see it quite a lot. And you just sit there and you'd go crazy. You go, I cannot believe I didn't pick Morikawa purely on the basis that he'd lost the playoff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only about that mental. Fortitude and how he bounces back from it because his game's clearly there, isn't it? And he's well, tightened up I think, a little bit. I think we got a little bit of a glimpse last year. He was second to Matthew Wolf at TPC Twin Cities last year. That was the one where DeChambeau, him, and um, Wolf were in a basic head to head for the last nine holes. Yeah. Week after, finished fourth at the John Deere Classic. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not telling me he wasn't disappointed walking off the final no, green no. win. Yeah. So I think he's got that. He seems to me that to have that. That game where when he's on fire and the, everything's clicking, he can just re, he, he can reel off finishes. He's never played here, but I just you know, Boo Weekly's won here on course debut. Satoshi Kadaira did it a couple of years ago. This seems to me a course that uh, good players or pro players can hit the ground running. I don't think there's a lot of tricks to this. Um, I just I just think uh, Morikawa of the guys at the top and he must be so so hungry to win and I think his game really does suit this place or will suit it so I'm in on Morikawa at the top um, I guess then that you and I are sharing um, Mr Jordan Spieth yeah yeah I think there was there was too much to like last week to ignore him really and this kind of track should suit him suit him perfectly really actually if you look through his form here ninth. 12th, 11th when he played in 13, 14, 15. And uh, he's 54th in 2019, although he was 10th at the halfway point. And if you look at each each of those four performances, he was actually at some point in, in the mix. Um, you know, he had a chance potentially to push on in all four of those events. He's actually shot 62 in the second round in 2015, which is amongst the very lowest scores that have been there. That was the week after he'd won the Masters, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Open with a 74 and then shot 62 in round two to put himself back in the mix. So. Just to go back, that 12th and 11th, bearing in mind he finished the week before second and first at the Masters. Yeah. Do you genuinely think he turned up here with like the real focus of winning the RBC Heritage? Yeah. What those two results do say to me, and the ninth he got in his rookie season, is that this course suits him perfectly. But now, turning up right here, right now, at this time, and his career, you know, potentially at the very bottom of the curve and just starting to come back, I think he's going to turn up here highly, highly motivated this week. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see it. It was really impressive, wasn't he? Particularly for the first two days last week. Brilliant. you know, his long game was as good as as good as it's been for well, not months, but years, really, isn't it? You know, it's it, yeah. very, very strong. Um, again, you told me some stats about his uh, how his tee to green performance was looking after you know, thirty six holes. He was really fourth for accuracy off the tee. Uh, you, you think fourth for accuracy, Jordan Spieth? You know, we haven't seen this since the heyday. Twelfth for greens in reg, sixth for strokes gain off the tee. And he was 10th strokes gain tee to green. And of course, second for strokes gain putting. That was after 36 holes. 
And then he knew he was in contention against some of the best players in the world. And guess what? Yeah, his game started to lose a bit of shape. But people think these guys are computers. He hasn't been in the mix to win a tournament for a long, long time. That's fact, isn't it? Yeah, and for space, that, for that, it? and for that game, that that swing and everything to hold together under under the most extreme pressure, that's going to take a few repeti- rep, uh, repetitions. I think. Yeah, I think last week holds him in far greater stead for this week. Because no, if he right. if he is in the mix after thirty six holes, he's got that experience from last week, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I mean, and you know, you can pick holes in any player's performance, and there were. As you'd expect, a couple of, well, a few short putts missed over the course of the four days. Particularly, there was there was a four putt, wasn't there? What's that? Friday afternoon, I think it was. Um, I think the difference is when Jordan misses a putt, they show it on TV. <laughs> when Rory McIlroy has a bad a uh, bad round, they don't show him at all. I don't know if you noticed that Rory yeah. disappears off the TV coverage. Yeah, he's, mm. he's gone. I, yeah. Yeah, you could you could you could pick pick holes in his short putt performance, and he's always been prone to missing a few of those. What got me is he made more putts from twenty feet and over during the course of those four days than he had done for the entire season to date at that point. Wow, where do you get that stat from? Again, it's one of these ones that popped up on Twitter. So if it's mm. completely false, then please ignore me. But Good no, that, that, that I'm just eyeballing his performance and some of the bombs that he did make during the course of the four days. He was clearly very, very strong with his longer putting. And I think you know the move to Bermuda Greens won't affect him. He's got some strong group at Bermuda Green wins over the years. Yeah. Um, he likes Tiff Eagle. He does, yeah, absolutely. That would give him a lot of confidence, I think, to be to be holding some decent putts. He's like hold that. 456 feet of putts last week. You won't be surprised. That was number one in the field. Yeah. Just to put that into some kind of context, Daniel Berger who obviously won the tournament, hold 379 feet, and he was fourth in that particular category. So it's safe to say the putter's working, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's safe for the odd short putt missed, but uh, if he goes through a week where he doesn't miss anything inside three feet or five feet, he's going to go mighty close to winning the golf tournament. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, the thing that, I like about this course for Jordan over last week is it's a hundred yards shorter than last week and it's a par seventy one. So actually there's a lot of holes here where you don't have to take driver. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if he can actually position himself and find a few more fairways more regularly, I think he's in with a great chance this week. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think he's a, a strong bet at the top of the market. Particularly right. there's there's not a great deal of Juice that's disappeared out of his price, thirty-three to one, with some additional. No, places. I did look Monday last week. It was mainly forties and a tiny, tiny bit of forty-five to one about him. Yeah. So they haven't locked. I, I, you know, I, I was scared to death that they were going to price him up about twenty-five, twenty-two yeah, to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can see that. Mm. Yeah, and the strength of the field dictates that he's got to be a, a backable price still. So one up. Mm. Right, let's recap our tips then. So Morikawa for me, I've got Spieth, I've got Kevin Kisner, I've got the postman JT, and I've got, of course, Siwoo Kim. What about you? So I've gone Spieth, um, Brian Harmon, uh, Brant Schnedeker, and Siwoo Kim. Now, I've also backed a first-round leader. Of um, course. Which... 
You may, not Matt, may, not Matt Every. <laughs> you, you may have heard him. I have backed Matt Every in the first round leader market, so I sound like a broken record each week. Lush. Well, why not? First round leader on his last start at the Arnold Palmer, as as we know. Um, seven starts here. He was first round leader in 2015. He was fourth and fifth after day one and two other occasions. So from three from seven starts on this track, he's, um, he's produced at least an each way finish here at the Heritage. He was also first round leader at Sedgefield, which yeah. we've mentioned a number of times in this pod back in 2017. Yeah, I remember um, that. I haven't waited for the draw. He was on the wrong side of the draw at the API when he, he was first round leader and he still still got that done. 250 to 1 is widely wow. available this morning. Jeez. I can't turn, turn down 250 That's to 1. That's eye watering. I just want to say before we go, you are doing an absolutely brilliant piece of work that I think a lot of the listeners are going to love, and it's all about equity, win equity yeah. and, and profitability on individual player level. Yeah, so we're trying to dig into um, how what you'd have returned by effectively backing any individual player blindly over a period of time. So um, we'll come up with a ratio effectively of what a player's profitability is relative to their prices over a sustained period of time so we've, we've, as a little tester we've done the year to date 2020 which looked quite promising but we're going to go right. back we're going to do 2019 2018 and, and see what the numbers look like and once we've got something that's tangible and we're we're comfortable with we'll publish it on the site so and keep it up to date yeah hopefully this should give us an idea whether players should be being backed um, at all um, relative to the prices that they, they are being offered each week, you know, we we yeah. talk regularly about the likes of say say a Tommy Fleetwood. And apologise for picking on Tommy, but Tommy's notoriously short in the market each week. But if you're backing him at twelve or fourteen to one each and every week, will you ever make money if you were to back him blindly? Now, of course, as punters, we don't back these players blindly anyway. But trying to get some kind of mathematics and, and analysis behind this hopefully will start to mm. form a different uh, angle of attack for for us and for, for people who choose to uh, to it can, yeah, it can only edu- this is it it can only educate us and it can only educate the listeners and if you can actually pull together a model that kind of statistically shows the sweet spots for when players win that can't be a bad place to be, no, can it? No, no. And, you know, anecdotally, we've got players that we kind of look out for price. You know, we've talked about Patrick Reed at a fifty to one price point oh, before, which yeah. is kind of where he wins. Um, yeah. And you know, hopefully, this analysis will pick out some uh, some nuggets that we can use to our advantage as we move forward. Yeah, so, it is well, a very exciting piece of work. Mm. It was great. The first version that or snapshot that you showed me last week. Yeah, so we'll see how that develops. I've got uh, what three weeks now before the start of the um, uh, the Austrian swing on the European tour. So we'll see how far we can get over the course of those uh, those few weeks and uh, see if there's something that we can get our teeth into. The Austrian swing. The Austrian swing. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> Paul, thank you for your time. Yeah, it's you too. Good luck. Um, best of luck this week. Hmm, and to you. Let's hope for a little bit more. It'd be great just to get someone in the mix, get the old uh, heart beating faster on Sunday evening. Mm, indeed. Thank you to you. Thank you to the listeners. Um, your support is always so, so well uh, respected by Paul and myself. It's, uh, it's a great thing to see. And uh, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, and of course, if you could leave a review, 
we will be reading it out very, very soon at the start of our podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.